Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Fitbit Pod. My name is Ben Lomas, and with me always, the Dilruk Jaya Singer. Hello, Benjamin. This is so exciting. I mean, Very. we've had we've had some epic guests in our in our time, but I'll tell you what doesn't get more epic than this one: a Premiership player for the Collingwood Football Club, a 200 plus player for Carlton as well, I believe, something like that. He's played for Carlton in Collingwood, but more importantly, he learned a fair few Sinhalese words in the jungle with me. Please welcome Dale Daisy Thomas. Oh my gosh. So the the first thing you got to do when you have a guest on a podcast is make sure you get the intro right. Yeah. Yeah. We're a premiership player, premiership superstar. The only only player in history to play 100 games for both Collingwood and Carlton. Alton. Right, I right. I knew there was something about something about being a player. Like I kind of, I kind of wish you won a premiership with Carlton, but anyway. Yeah. yeah. So Ben, Ben, you're a Carlton supporter, Matt Carlton supporter. Yeah, I'll let yes. you guys have a bit of a chat for. I'll step out. I oh, just one thing. Could you please be our coach? Push Ross line over the way and just take over the board. I don't give a shit. Do something. Just spill the board. And go rogue. <laughs> oh, he's a shambles there. I mean, God, who would have thought Diesel would be the director of football? He can barely remember his name. <laughs> I had Diesel as a uh, as a skills coach with my time down there. Um, really? He was still teaching the forward punting handball, which I think went out in maybe 1980. So <laughs> this is only a couple of years ago. <laughs> oh, was it? Was he a hard ass? Was he? Was he? Was he? He's no, he's very knowledgeable and his skills are unbelievable. Obviously, when he played, he was the pioneer, I guess, of handballing and accumulating possessions. So he certainly knows what he's talking about. But in terms of worrying that the ball's spinning (laughs) that way, I'm not so sure that that actually makes it easy to catch. I'm sure if you actually did physics on a ball spinning backwards and hit your hands and it's likely to spin into them rather than hit them and totally. Anyway, story for another day. <laughs> ah, no, this is the perfect platform for it. But look, I, I uh, there's so many things. Like the, the problem that I have with uh, you as a guest, Daisy, is there's so many different areas we could go into, and I don't even know where to start things off. But I, I feel like one of the my favorite things to talk about is um, is how often you and I end up speaking after you've had a few frothies, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is which is great, and that's, that's that's no slight against you. But what I love is we're like a minute in, and already the Melbourne bitter just got. Cracked open. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure what time this podcast goes out or if it's going out live, but it is 20 to 3 on a Thursday. So, yeah, the weekend officially started two days ago um, for anyone in lockdown in Melbourne. So, yeah, because you're Victorian based as well. I am Victorian yeah. based. I'm in Melbourne and I have been battling away through a lockdown. So, you're right. I do enjoy having a few beers on a weekend. And then when I do, obviously, Melbourne, there's nothing to do except reminisce and think about your mates and then obviously i get on the the text to i, I must admit though it's not just you it's a but oh, yeah. I, I reach out to my buddies and see what they're up to and enjoy reminiscing of better times and it's really funny because it's always like a, it's a scattergun approach isn't it where like they're, they're, it's um he'll put a message out in the i'm a celeb whatsapp group going who's up for a chat and if no one replies he just starts calling people <laughs> Just a tap dialing. I, I have a question. Uh, being being a dad yourself, I have a couple of friends who ha, who uh, start calling when they're really pissed. They call mates at after eleven o'clock who don't have kids because they know they won't disturb them. That's that's a good idea. Um, I've got I got one mate in particular. Um, I'll say his name. He's sure who I work with quite a lot, and. Yeah. 
you know, there's FaceTime. Well, anytime you get a phone call from him after tennis, generally referred to as off your FaceTime. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's generally having a pretty good time. That reminds me of a business idea I had, which was called sit on my Facebook. And uh, I didn't have anyone investing in my, in my new dating profile called sit on my Facebook. Um, but here's the thing. This is, this is, Ben, this is something that you actually, we were talking before uh, Daisy joined us on the phone, which is about, you know, players, um, posts like because because uh, uh, Daisy you'll go from high school pretty much straight into elite level of playing and Ben you had a question off the back of that as to what happens well it's it, especially now like uh, I have um uh, I forget his surname I have ex uh, North Melbourne football player Jasper Pittard two doors up from my house and uh and he's recently uh retired and I'm just thinking how do you go from being a teenager uh, to then going through the whole cadetship, then playing a professional footy for so many years, and then as soon as you retire, uh, do you just let it all go, or how do you stay fit? Or in your case, have you let go? Like, what have you done? Like, I'm fascinated because sometimes you'll see someone like Boomer Harvey who looks like he could play tomorrow, and then you could look at someone like BT. That's unfair, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you look at someone like that who you know, like it's it's you know. So what have you done? Oh, it's Billy Brownless. That's an easy target. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true, that's true. Well, it's weird because I think some people get to the end and they're not ready for it to be the end. Um, obviously, with the industry that it is, you can get to the end and be told you're no longer wanted and then no other clubs want you. And that could be two years in, three years in, six years in. Mm. I was fortunate enough. I played for 14 years. So by the time it was coming to the end, I sort of knew it was coming um, and it wasn't really a great shock and I was happy with it. Um, so then what happens post? Well, I was excited. All I'd known, as you said, you sort of do the, from about 15, 16, the you know, TAC Cup cadetship into AFL. All I'd known was living like an elite athlete, if you will. So mm. Even the terms of when you get your off-season, you're six weeks off, although you see players out having a good time, the next day you don't see them getting up and going to the gym and then going for a run and working off any beers or fast food or whatever you've had. So to have the possibility and the prospects of travelling at that time, um, (laughs) living a normal life, I was so excited for it. Obviously, I went on the show with Dill, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. So that was perfect because I had the vision that I finished in September, call it, and then by January, I was going on a month-long reset slash health kick. So I just, I, I, tr- <laughs> I treated this thing like an absolute garbage, just like it was a dumpster. It was but, like- <laughs> but what I, one of the things I loved was when in I'm a Celeb, because you were runner-up, like you went to the right to the end. And uh, as opposed to certain other people, <laughs> kind of, you know, were in there so, so short that some people thought I was part of catering. That was just just one of the ranges, but uh, but, um, but but one of the things I loved is when uh, towards the end of the show they fly over loved ones, and when your partner sh- you know met up, one of the first things you did was lift your shirt and show your abs were back. Yeah. Well, that's and, and again, and sort of we'll get to present day now, but that was you know I'd lit not planned it, but I was excited that I had. September, October, November, December to do whatever I want, knowing yeah. that for 15 to 30 days, I was going to be on like a serious health kick. I think I yeah. dropped eight or nine kilos and every Eating bit of weight, every Impala bit of, anus and antelope yeah. testicles. Goat's balls. Um, yeah. yeah. Interesting. I still have them to this day. So that's um, 
What God's balls? God's balls. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was thinking, where where are you going to get Impala anus at the Victoria Market? <laughs> you go to the zoo, the Melbourne Zoo. Yeah. The Melbourne Zoo has Impala anus. The guy yelling sure that... in the meat market at Victoria Market. Impala anus. I'm sure um, you could. I'm sure you could scroll on your Facebook or whatever it was called for a girl called Impala. <laughs> Are we allowed to say that? Very good. Is that what you're thinking with your hair? With my sit on my Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was after, yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Is that what Tame Impala means? It's about, <laughs> it's about bum fucking, right? Okay. Uh, the, um, so wait, but in the jungle, actually, uh, refresh my memory. Um, did you eat, did you have any gross eating challenges? Because I didn't have any of them. I only did the one um, and it was go- uh, goat's testicles. And I had to eat the both balls. And oh, it was, so it was, was I, big. Just, it was big, wasn't it? They were sizable. Yeah, it was a decent size goat, and so, obviously hadn't been doing much rooting because when I bit into it, it went <laughs> and like <laughs> oh, no! full face. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Natasha's working next to me, and you should see the look on her face. <laughs> What? It's work. It's work. It's she, just work. she just goes out now. You know what it feels like. <laughs> um, so yeah. So look, one of the things that I did love in the jungle was as much as you know, you say you you treat your body like a dumpster or whatever. That uh, that fighting, like that that elite sportsman fighter, that never goes away. Like one of the my favorite challenges, and I even when I got out of the jungle, I went and watched it back was the one of the treadmill when you were on oh, the yeah. treadmill at the edge of the cliff like you were the only one that went to the maximum level and survived it got the three stars or whatever like that is something i guess that never switches off right after a certain point you've been you've been built to you know go hard whenever you get the opportunity yeah it's it's that competitive sort of switch that means that i guess essentially that's what separates you on the football field or you know in general life from people who wanted and aspired to play football to actually getting there Mm. It's an ability to, you know, when you're hurting to find a bit more and and you're right, it, it doesn't get switched off. Although at the minute, if I run, I can sort of switch it off. But yeah, you know, <laughs> it, but, it, but now it comes out in weird. Like I'll be playing Uno, and I like all of a sudden, like competitive must win. Like yeah, wanna, so this want to is- start hacking at somebody's shin because they've put draw four down. <laughs> well, this is what I was going to ask. And that shin is your daughter's shin. <laughs> <laughs> and because uh, of a fortune-year career, you're able to channel that energy into a specific thing. But what happens when that's not there that you can focus that energy on? Like, have, have you found it, like you said, Udo and stuff, have you found ways to to not let it come out in the wrong places? Yeah, well, golf was the thing that I got into big time. And as we sort of said in the jungle, all I did was putt the whole time. Yeah. Um, that was the luxury so day- I had my body in. But- Daisy's luxury item was uh, this amazing putting uh, setup, right? And it was perfect for the jungle. I brought some earmuffs that didn't actually work properly. But if I'm not mistaken, yeah, yes, to date, Daisy made some jewelry out of it and it's still on his arm. Like he's nice. wearing my earmuff materialist, like a. Um, They're um, starting to get a bit ratchet, but that's all right. So it's not, it's not come off since the jungle? No, no, it hasn't. So that's been tied on the whole time. But back to the point. So that golf was the thing. Um, so it was. It gave me that competitiveness, one, obviously, if you're playing against people, but also yourself. So that want to work on something, improve constantly, but without the rigours of being bashed, um, you know, tackled, working too hard. And as again, it sort of it ticked all the boxes. It was competitive. It was social. It was fun. And most of the times post-round, just go in and have two or three beers and talk a bit of shit yeah, and have a laugh about right. it. So Do you have a that, handicap? Do you have a handicap? Yeah, I think at the minute I'm about... 
nine or ten. I don't know what oh, the exact GA is. I, the, my goal for last year was to get into single figures by Christmas, and I did that. I got down to nine point two. So um, that's yeah. that's an, that that that's someone who who plays a fair bit. Then oh man, uh, well once footy season is done, I'm I'm literally a pro golfer. <laughs> I have the clubs yeah. in the back of the car and I'll practice, you know, twice a week or play you're, three times a week. You're actually Daisy Love the Third. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> golf reference. Yeah, that was very clever. Oh, yes. I'm so happy with myself. That right was there. actually... I'm just going to go. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> funny because... Sri Lankan hear... golfers, Sri Lankan golfers, Sri Lankan... No, I got nothing. Man, is Tiger Woods Sri Lankan? He looks a bit Sri Lankan. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it's kind of funny because I feel like it's quite... It seems like a quite a common thing, like... Um, uh, Brownie plays golf. Like a lot of ex AFL uh, players play a lot of golf, which I kind of for find our non footy weird... players. Uh, ben Rennie says Brownie's referring to Jonathan Brown. It's not a nickname Brown. that he has for me out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> he suddenly <laughs> just pulls one of them out. <laughs> but but I kind of find it because it's like it's yeah again it's the least physical sport like contact wise, but also it's one of the most frustrating sports. Like. <laughs> Like I, I find that like because with footy you let in and out you're hitting people occasionally you raise the elbow and in golf like if you ever slice the whole game your day's ruined. Well, that's the thing that I've had to learn because you're right in football if you make one or two real bad blues and someone gives like handballs the ball to your opponent right in front of you, every <laughs> bit of frustration you get you just channel right through the middle of your sternum and just go yep. bang and you pile <laughs> drive him into the ground. The umpire, the crowd cheers, you get applauded for it. In golf, if you duff it and then sling your bloody club into the trees and, and yeah. you let out your frustration, you're like, yeah, that felt good. And you look across at your three playing partners and they're just like, <laughs> <laughs> not so much. So mate, I've snapped so many clubs. Like, and Are you was, serious? Yeah, when I was going from like 18, I think I started 18, 19 and getting down to nine and chasing to get the singles by Christmas because it was getting rather late in the year. I like play, like have a good round going and then gas it. And the things that's the other thing, golf Graphite. companies, they break easy. Like, yeah. Thankfully, Taylor may look after me, but like break them around your neck, break them <laughs> over your leg and you do it. And it's like instant gratification. You get the release and then you're like, fuck, I needed that. Yeah. <laughs> There's four more holes. <laughs> well, so can, can, can I just ask, how, so how many, what, what club have you broken the most? <laughs> I got, honestly, I've got, a, I've got a pile of them. There's one in the back of my car. There's, I'd have, probably have, oh, Maybe four or five broken clubs down in the um, cupboard now. I've broken mainly wedges because that's yeah. where it gets frustrated. When you, when you get better at golf, sort of when once you get inside a hundred meters, that's where yeah. you put a lot more expectation on yourself to hit a good shot, hit it close, not yeah. to duff it a meter in front of you, and then do yeah. that again, and then just let the rage build. <laughs> <laughs> so with golf being the the uh, sorry, Ben, you go. No, no, no. I'm just thinking, are you also, because I love the idea of just snapping a wedge right next to a June, right? And then just going, oh, well, I have to bring out the sandwich. Are you one of those players that has like four wedges in yeah. there? In- <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky that you're, sorry, you're 56, you're 52 and you're 50 or, <laughs> and you're 60. So, but at the minute I'm running, I'm definitely running low on wedges. Uh, oh, <laughs> so just amazing. hit up your mates and tell them, mate, just go, hey, sorry, <laughs> mates, the wedges are running low. The, what I was going to ask is, you know, with golf being the, uh, your kind of, you know, antidote for being able to channel that energy, when we have things like lockdowns and shit and they take that away, do you have, like, do you play putting and do you do putting and stuff like that? Or does that not really tick the box off? Well, this is sort of, so if we sort of go back a little bit to, you know, coming straight out of footy and hoping to travel and whatnot and being all excited for that, 
And then, as I said, sort of, you know, playing golf, finish the jungle, work, there's lots of opportunities, and then going straight into a lockdown. Yeah. That was one of the, like, the toughest things because I had, you know, as we spoke about, I'd been in this system where being told what to do for, call it, you know, 14 years at an elite level, but then two or three years before that, getting in there, to then being told, thinking you've got all this freedom and all the, the shackles are off to, in, to an extent, and then being told what to do when you can leave your house, what you got ah. like, made that, like I was in the worst spot mentally. It was, right. it was like football, but a zillion times worse. I couldn't do anything that I wanted to do. I was then removed right. from family, friends, like everyone, but sort of the everything that I was excited for and that I'd looked forward to say for the last three years of your career and the way that you justify that if you finish, it'll be okay. Ah, that just went straight out the window so it was yeah it was a real tickler so to answer your question i know I, I didn't um i didn't play golf i didn't practice i did put a put, put a putting green in the back of the old house and dug a bunker in one day because i got bored but i didn't really <laughs> use it much but it, it became you go and hit a couple of golf balls and then i'd almost get more frustrated that it's like what like golf or, and this isn't a you know political candidacy speech but for all the sports in the world that is for social distancing you play golf you can play it in a one or two or four whatever if you get within one and a half meters which is social distancing you get hit with the fucking club yeah it is the the greatest sport for social calm down sam calm down (laughs) (laughs) but but like so they didn't go out and practice outdoors and be like geez it's a beautiful day for golf hit three balls and then go like, oh, this is just yeah, torture. So, it, right. so in the end, I didn't because I sort of put them away and so, oh, well, out of sight, out of mind, sort of set up. Yeah. And look, and look, I'm not, and again, like, it's true. It is very frustrating because uh, of all the sports, it is the one that you could social distance. And I'm not putting it out there. And I, but you know, there are certain golf courses where you can get on the, on the second hole and get off the eighth. Wouldn't know where they are. <laughs> Royal Park. Thank you very much. Next <laughs> but, um, but this one leads me to a question that, ho- like, I guess you might be able to give me some guidance with because it's new for me so uh uh specifically dealing with an injury that i have right now so now any new listeners who, have, uh, who don't know the story of the podcast is ben and i were about 125 kilos each we had a bet for the first of us to get under 100 kilos wins a thousand bucks and um and obviously then the motivation to try and lose weight kicked in and i won't say who won but you know that year i went on holiday to thailand okay. ben went Back to miljura he went to miljura <laughs> on holiday so we can imagine what happened but uh but the point being that now now it's the first time so that was age 34 whatever 33 was the first time I started prioritizing my health and you know was enjoying being able to run and all that and now for the last three months I've got this thing called a disc extrusion which you know the part of the disc hits my nerves so I, I it causes me to tilt and have a sciatic damage and all kinds of bullshit the point being I'm not allowed to run so when you described going to the backyard to try and putt golf like I'm told I can walk but as soon as I go on the walk to try and do the thing I'm so angry and I, and I used to be someone who was really able to look at someone else doing fitness and being like, good on you, go get it, son. And now I'm just like, you fucking, how dare you rub your running in my face? You know what I mean? So what, I mean, for, for someone like for me, so the idea of injury is new to me, right? I've never had to prioritize my body for the first time I got excited about exercise and now it's taken away, but with footy injury is part of it, right? And what's your, I guess my question is, what's your biggest injury you've had? What was the longest you were ankle, out of the game? An ankle. And because you've had shoulders and fucking all kinds of shit, right? But, but also what was the biggest, but then also was there any guidance when, you know, as to how to 
feel like you're not your, your identity is linked to playing footy and if you're not doing it and you're just sitting on the sideline watching it how do you get through all that I thought you were going to ask me if it was all right for you to just take out revenge on other runners and hit them with bats. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> the more the question went, the longer I was starting to think, maybe that is okay. Um, <laughs> just run him over. <laughs> <laughs> just walk alongside, slow down. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, no, I had, so I had a serious ankle injury um, with Every- 2000 and... 14, 12, 13. I think it was. Yeah. And it, and it, no, but it did. So I ended up, what I did was I kicked the ball. I got tackled as I was trying to kick the ball, you know, out of the defense. And I hit the ground because I got tackled, didn't hit the ball. So essentially trying to kick the ball 50 meters and kick the ground one centimeter in front of me oh. as hard as you possibly could. So the inside ligament um, of your ankle, medial ligament, snapped that in half. Yep. So it is gone. Which so, is hard to do for people who is, don't know. Yeah, it's so, really hard to do. The other uh, way, yes, inside. Effective, like. The um, physios and that, they use the four fingers and they're like, it's meant to be like that. Generally, like you sprain it, it stretches or four fingers, three fingers, whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, and then mine was just gone like that. Like so they had, to, so they had to tighten it and screw it into the bone. So it yep, sounds like another good point. <laughs> <laughs> this is taking a turn, this podcast. Get the impala in us out. <laughs> to, to make sure that it was tight enough, they have to over-tighten it, obviously, because you just go back to where right. normal is. That's right, right, right. The trick. So they over-tightened it. But in doing so, that then changed how my ankle would lay in a normal position. So I then blew the tendons out on the outside of my ankle. Yeah. They've got some perineal tendons. So both of them, there's two of them, they go like that, and both of them had split in half and retracted. So <laughs> one side of the ankle was held together with fishing line and a screw. And the other side was not held together. Yeah, but, right. So I, they went and fixed that. I had, I had all sorts of things. I tried. Um, I had lipo and then got stem cells put into it, which helped get some of the regenerate the sheath around the tendon. But whoa, this is, this is something that went on for, mate. Well, even when I was playing with it for a long time, which was probably the worst thing, but for a couple of years and to be, like you're saying, to be not able to do what you can do in the footballing world and especially you know in, a, in an environment like a footy club you end up doing your rehab away from the main group because the physios have to be out with the players who are playing because they're the ones who essentially are the most important so everything you do is almost removed from the group and for oh, someone who you know yeah. who, who loves being around social settings being involved yeah. you know um that was killer but then also to then try and play when i got to the point where i was okay but then to know that you're not at your best yeah, and not do the things like football is about. I couldn't run, I couldn't jump, and I couldn't kick. Pretty hard to play Aussie rules football when you couldn't do that. But I was still good enough to be out on the field. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So to, to know the like and to your the potential, place. the potential that you could yeah, have had or, if you weren't firing at hundred percent. Not even potential. Like you've done it, you can do it. Yeah. You've done it consistently for a long time, and then your new benchmark is here. Right, like, right. That was the most frustrating thing what? that. So, because mentally you're still at the, you know, that level, like, for example, uh, if if my pacing right now, my 5Ks, if I can get uh, a kilometer in under 10 minutes, I'm like fist pumping. I'm like, fuck yes, I got it under 10. But like four months ago, three months ago, I was doing four, four minute, 20 second kilometers. And I'm like, so my mentally, I'm still there. Yeah. But physically, so when I see that, I'm actually like close to crying, going, fuck, how did this happen? You know? Well, that's well, and like on the footy field, you, you know, the ball gets put on someone's head and you're like, oh, swear, I'll just jump on him, you know, take a yeah. screamer and move on. And you go to jump and you knee him in the ass and you give away a free kick and you're like, <laughs> and what, I'm, what I'm like happened? running by myself, whereas you are in that field with what is it like, like people with like 
peak fitness, hungry yeah. for your spot, like almost wanting, like it's, it's, there's only a limited number of players that can be in the squad, right? And then there's the scrutiny that comes with that from external well, that, as well. That's yeah. what I was going to say. It, it, it was one of the most publicized ankle injuries. I think I've ever, <laughs> so many people had an opinion on your ankle, including myself. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Everyone, it was amazing. I like, I couldn't believe it. Like my dad had an opinion. My dad's a physio as well. And I've got yeah. a crook ankle. And the discussions about your ankle just went on forever to the point where I was like, we don't know his ankle. We've never seen his ankle. All we've seen is, a, how badly you injured it, but then also, which is which we notice as well is, and that's what I was curious about is when you know you're at that elite level, and then when you came to Carlton and, and you, know, you had a couple of setbacks, and then you started to play in in the pocket there, did you just start just changing your whole because you, you, the jumping? How much did you reduce your jumping by? Do you think? Uh, well, just everything. Like I pretty much had to learn how to kick again because the way my foot sat and then how it ended up sitting because of how it got tightened and then how it had to get strapped, I couldn't hit the ball the same way. So I'm pretty like wow. It, it just it, it, like everything. So you've done something for what was it, 25 years, or you know, maybe I started when I was four, five, six. But you learn a way to do something, and then mm. all of a sudden, even that you can't do. So you you can't kick, you can't run, you can't jump. It it makes it very hard. But then I I went through the whole roller coaster of emotions from the anger, resentment. You know, why me? This is bullshit. To then. And once I got across to Carlton, you know, the, the pressure was more, it was all heaped on. I then got really, really fit one season, then dislocated my shoulder in the first 40 seconds of the first round and missed the whole season. Oh, yeah. Like, that. It, it was honestly just like, why the fuck is this happening to me? Like, what, what have I done? How many cats have I kicked? And the yeah. answer is none if the RSPCA is watching, but, you know, just as a metaphor. <laughs> um, but, you know, and you go through that and then to be able to sort of turn that around by the end of my career and go, hang on a minute. No, like, let's, let's relax here. Let's yeah. take check. Let's try and get as back to as fit as you can. What is the skill set and what's a level that you'll be comfortable with by the end of your career, you'll be happy. And, you know, I wasn't taking hangers. I wasn't kicking miraculous goals. Like I was at the start of my career, but almost managing the expectation to understand that that was probably too far gone, but I could still yeah. reach a level that was pretty close to that and to aspire to that, that became the new goal. And in the end, that was sort of what got me going. And by the end of my career, I was playing some really good footy. I played in a different position, new challenges that came with that. So I guess that's sort of how I went the, the full loop from being angry and resentful yeah. to, to, also, to not only myself, but the whole entire AFL community in terms of fans, journos, clubs, yeah. to getting to the point where it's like, oh, hey, well, you know, it is what so, it is. And then also to be lucky enough to be able to actually finish your career like that. Because an injury like that, I guess, for, for a lot of players later on is that that's it. You, you're just, you're gone. You don't get signed or they'll release you from your contract. So by the time you ended, even, how, how is the ankle now? That's what I'm curious about. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, it was good. The last part of my career with like the last two, three years, especially was the best it ever was. Like, that was as good as my body had been since I was 22, 23. So so, but that was on the back of, you know, I'd get three or four sessions of physio a week yeah. minimum massage mm. before, after, during training, yeah. ice bars, elite recovery. Um, now that I do bugger all of any of that, I've gotten a bit heavier. I can't really run out of sight. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I have to bike ride because I can't, I can't go for a 5k run anymore because it's just not worth it. I'll, it'll hurt during it. It'll kill post and it's just, you know, running's meant to be relaxing and fun. Yeah, and, and, right. And it's same. I'm in a similar boat. Uh, I, I have a shockingly shocking left ankle that has been rolled so many times, 
a crook back, and I need a Latigee shoulder reconstruction on my left shoulder. So I'm, yeah, yeah. and I, guess what? Didn't play elite football. You're a comedian. What have you been doing? This stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy. <laughs> on rollerblades. Elite, elite drinking. Elite drinking. That's what it was. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but Daisy, I wanted to ask on that same point with the being able to, you know, turn it around, go through that whole gamut of emotions, and at the end still feel like some of your best footy was towards the end. It might be too broad a question, but do you remember if there's any specific tools or tips that you applied or was there books or anything that you were reading that helped you to that? Because I feel like those are the more applicable things that our listeners might be able to go, you know what, I can go seek that book out or whatever. Is there anything that pops to mind? I started seeing, like I actually went and saw a a counsellor just about general Uh things. Um, And that was, again, another big something that I wasn't keen on doing. It was like, you know, I don't need that. I'll figure it out myself. I'll just keep working hard. But it's amazing how when you go and you know speak to someone about things that weren't generally football related, that how then your footballing can turn around and you start to, I guess, unpack a lot of the emotions and the resentments that you had. Wow. Yeah. Were not so much probably about football, if that makes sense. So mm. you know, to anyone who hasn't, and I shared a few stories with you in the jungle that. You know, I had a pretty, not rough upbringing, but I had an old man who was an alcoholic and abusive. And mm. I never really told or shared that with anyone. Um, you know, my mum knew, my sister knew, obviously, because she was there. And my best mate would have known to some extent that I didn't see the old man. But to everyone else, it was just, well, you know, he doesn't speak of his dad. He doesn't speak about it. Mm. I was sort of like back against the wall. Well, this was, it is what it is. Even didn't with really, the closest buds in the cl- club and everything. Just, just everything, yeah. Never really wow. shared or, you know, it was just that's it. I just put it out of sight, out of mind. Um, and it wasn't really until speaking to someone who, you know, has the trained professionalism and the ability to make you discuss, you know, why are you angry? Why, why, are, you, why are you really mad about this? And so on. Well, fuck, I don't know. You know, because <laughs> yeah, someone need me in the back. It seems yeah. like it's obvious about yeah, that. Well, because I've hurt my ankle again. Well, yeah, oh, that, of course, oh, of course, I'm angry, okay. dickhead. I can't walk. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that classic one you told me where the uh, they in in court they re- replayed what you said to the umpire. Yeah, well, that, that, was, that was after I got a, a fine. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I called, yeah. I called an umpire a cheat, and you can read yeah. about it. I called him a cheat. Short story, and alongside it was some pretty colourful language. It was the heat of the moment. It was stupid, <laughs> yeah. but it was the heat of the moment. And yeah, exactly. Time. Anyway. So in those so, moments, it feels like, oh, it, should, it's, it is about that incident. But, but what you're saying is the psychologist was maybe going, yeah. and you go deeper. Is there something well, more? And that's it. it. And then you sort of realise that, shit, you know, to have an upbringing like that, you, you're going to carry, if you don't speak about it, you're going to carry some baggage. You're going to react to things differently than someone who had, you know, the white picket fence in Labrador and the two parents. It's... So almost getting to a point where I started to understand why I started to feel in certain ways, if that makes sense, and, yeah. and why and what made me tick. And just because, you know, I got to 25, 26, 27 years of age and I don't know, I was Dale who played footy. I didn't, I didn't really dug down any deeper into any sort of other layers. So that was something that I found, one, really intriguing, but also, two, really helpful in almost making myself feel lighter that I didn't have to, you know, resent things or and understand if I did as to why I was going there so quickly. And it sort of comes it's that it comes back to what you were saying about like even in lockdown, part of the reason why you were feeling like frustrated when the you know the pandemic lockdown happened was because it resembled the rules that you were given as a younger person is playing footy which is that awareness you might not have had if you weren't so introspective like you would have been just upset at the pandemic rather than realizing oh no no this is triggering all these other emotions of promised freedom that now is taken away 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's sort of, you know, I still to this day, one of the, whenever I get in trouble, regardless of what it is, work environment, even if my mum's pissed off at me for something, which doesn't happen very often. But if, you know, if I get, not accused, if I do something that isn't wrong and get treated like it's wrong, that's still like, I've got to check myself because that's one of the things that I sort of, you know, can go zero to rage real quick. Right. And, and, and how are you keeping in check of that now? Do you still see that counsellor? Do you still check in occasionally or how does that work? Yeah, so I still check in occasionally, um, not as much as when I was playing football and whatnot, but, um, you know, just being aware of, of things, that, you know, I think you get to a point where you start to understand yourself and as sort of you said, Dil, you almost become aware of things before they're going to happen. So like mm. these last two lockdowns, I've been, mental state's been so much better than the first big one that we went through. Like the yeah, first big right. one, it was, I knew, I know I shouldn't feel like this. I know I'm not the only one in this problem. You know, it's out of my control. But then there was still that part of my brain going, yeah, but fuck, you've missed out on this, this, and this. This is yeah, bullshit. Right. This is so unfair. To the point now where it's like, you know what? You're happy. You're healthy. you got work. You still yeah. get to see Tilly every second weekend. You know, got a cat. Sun's coming out. We're coming into spring. <laughs> Drisman and a new one, Pablo. Oh, I didn't know about Pablo. Oh my but, god! Yeah, just, so yeah. just having that ability now, I guess, to understand things on a on a level that, you know, and sometimes it still doesn't make it easier. Don't get me wrong; I still have days where it's like, "Fuck, this is this sucks." Well, yeah, if oh, you have more yeah. good days than bad, is probably the thing well, you all aim yeah. for because no one's going to get it perfectly right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even if it's again, take footy, like the number of times you've kicked and practiced, but it's always not always going to be on target. You could Correct. be the best kick in the game, but there was something that might just throw it off. So, if you have more good kicks than not, then you're an elite player. And the same thing with with mental health. I think it's like not getting it right all the time because I struggle with that. If I have a bad day that say say back in the day when I was trying to lose weight, if I'd say went three, four days, you know, being healthy, if I have a fourth day where I broke it, where it all fell through, I'm like, oh, fuck it. I might as well just spend the rest of the month fucking around and then pick it up again next month. You know what I mean? So that mentality of knowing, okay, if I get it right most of the time, then I'm fine. Yeah. And I think, I just think on that as well, it's like, you know, it like, you know, coming from an elite athlete, it's like, because we're under so much stress under lockdown and everyone's going through it, but it's also the ability to check in. Because if you're having a bad day, you also want to find the ways to have a bad day and not let your partner have a bad day, not let your kids have a bad day, not let the dog have a bad day. So I think sometimes being able to check in with a health professional, which is, again, I do it occasionally when I need it, it just allows you that you can have a bad day without actually everyone else having a bad day. And I think yeah. in lockdown, we're all on top of each other. You know, you can't go to the golf course. You can't break a club. <laughs> <laughs> but even that's sort of, and that's where I understand that if I'm having a shit one, that's when I start reaching out to people and, you know, mm, seeing how yeah. they're doing because that's another way for me to feel less sorry for myself and also, you yeah. know, understanding that, well, if I'm feeling like this, how's, you know, how's Dilruk feeling? How's, you know, my other mates feeling? Well, it's, a, re- it's a direct oxytocin, I believe, or something. As soon as you start to socialize or, or, or remove yourself out of the situation yeah. and be there for others, it automatically starts triggering the, the oxytocin. And, and I think, Ben, kind of what you said just then, Ben, it reminded me of what I was saying to you, what I saw that Renee Brown was talking about with her and her husband. They have a rule where they, when they come after work, she's like, all right, I'm at 30%. What are you at? And he's like, oh, I'm at about 
80. She's like, great, can you pick up the slack? So she's like, Every, everyone thinks a marriage is 50-50, but really the energies are all over the place. And sometimes you need one person to pick up the slack for the others. And so she was saying is that if there's a day where she's like, I'm 20 and he's like, fuck, I'm 30. They're like, all right, okay, we're both low. So let's not go to this party that we have to go to or whatever. We're just going to end up getting shitty with each other. Let's stay home and like try and get back some energy. Like it's that being able to communicate and understand where you're at, because otherwise it shows up in places that you didn't expect it to show up in. I do, I do like the idea of coming home going, darling, at what level are you at? She's like, oh, at about three o'clock, I was at 80%, but the kids sucked about 79% out of it. Yeah. I'm at one. That's so true. It's, it, that's the thing. It's like being able to at least understand it doesn't mean that you're going to fix it, but at least you know you're not going to step on any landmines in the process of trying to figure it out. Because you because I think part of the pandemic I've found is, it's not about finding the solution because the solution is so out of our control. It's about damage control at this point. It's like, who, how do I not snap at someone just because they happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time? Yeah. yeah. Or just start self-destructing, crack the shits and go, all right, well, I'm, you know, it's four o'clock. I'll have a glass of red and continue to drink and you know, right. the ability to find the moderation because you know, still to this point, there's no rules. It's I've said it all along. It's like an airport in here. It's pretty <laughs> if you want to have cereal and a beer, there's no real judgment. <laughs> you know, at any uh, other stage of life, you're I a complete don't... dickhead. But at this point, everyone's like, yeah, well, yeah, do, what, do what you have to do to survive. So double, even, double pasta, <laughs> double, double pasta, all up, yeah. double doubles. So. We, we, double, double Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> correct, for breakfast. Um, just on the counselor, was the, is the counselor and stuff provided by the club at the time, or you have to seek your own out, or do they give you guidance? No, or? so that's a, the beauty of being an AFL footballer again and the position you're in is that so the AFLPA um, which every player has to be a member of but you pay your membership and through that there's a handful of players association is that what players association yeah yeah so um, they've got a handful of psychs that they've all vetted and whatnot and you know full confidentiality and you can actually go through them without going to the club and things like that so um, yeah so if you can I just ask that's a relatively that's only happened maybe in the last five to ten years is that uh, yeah, I, I'd probably say, I think it would have been available, but yep. in terms, again, like five, 10 years ago to put your hand up and say, oh, geez, yep. I'm, I'm, I've got an injury. Um, I might go speak to someone about it. You'd probably get punched in the face and laughed at, no, you're not. You go and train harder and you go and do more weights and you yeah, go and kick the balls and that ankle will be fixed. Whereas I think, you know, that, that's the other thing with the AFL is that it's come such a long way in understanding and recognising that the archaic ways that have been are definitely not the way to go forward with, a lot of yeah. the things. And and I feel like even then some clubs, and I think North Melbourne's an example of where, it, you know, it's it's provided by the AFL, but then they've seen an actually benefit. So then they go privately yeah. and get people to actually come in and go, well, you know what, I've got a psychologist for the players group, but I've also got a psychologist for the leaders group that works on sports psychology. And I think they did that a couple of years ago and went from like, you know, 16th and made it to the finals. Um, and I'm just always fascinated that, then do you know of ex-players or players that actually went privately and did it their own or is it they did they always go through the club? No, I think there'd be like a host of players that have gone to their own or gone through their own or continue to see people outside of the club. You thought of Richmond and what they did within that mindfulness space, they went and sought themselves a guru and they won the four flags in a row. You see yeah. Melbourne at quarter time, like stop. Um, I think St Kilda as well, they stop and do breathing exercises at quarter time. So yeah, yeah you know, if, if honestly, if you had done that you know, 10 years ago, you would have got laughed out of the competition as a team. Whereas, yeah, you know, and that's just the ability but, in, to understand now that there's so much more to football than your ability yeah. to catch it, 
kick it, distribute it to someone else. The, yeah, it's it's good but that I mean, the AFL's come but, a long way. But at Richmond, when they're doing breathing and they're lighting incense, incense six, I don't think it's incest. Uh, it's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> that would have worked a lot better if you didn't say incest. I know. I, that. <laughs> I said uh, as soon as I came out, I was like, "Oh, what is but, happening at Richmond?" <laughs> but it's 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 funny. They talk about uh, I, I, my first introduction to him really was uh, Last Dance, but Phil Jackson and his approach to you know the Lakers and the Bulls and stuff had a lot of out there people were like, yeah. "What the fuck is this shit?" Time? I don't know what this is. Dennis then, Rodman being allowed to go to on a bender to Vegas because he yeah. knew if he had that release, he'd come back and be a better player. And then he's running rings around them at training. Like yeah, the ability to. Was calm and electric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a release now. I, I so. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's also, it, it actually just reminds me because I was watching this Kobe Bryant documentary about uh, him um, after the injury as well. Right. And, and you actually were in the jungle when he, when he died. Yeah. And he was like a hero of yours. Yeah. Yeah, that's the like the jungle is tough enough as it is being removed from food, family, um, and the, the things you would expect to miss. And, and having two mates uh, from, <laughs> from 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 Newcastle and Spain who you can't understand. <laughs> is that Ryan and Miguel? <laughs> well, yeah, true. Ryan, Ryan spoke Australian, but still no one could understand what he was saying. Because he would um, he would say something and then laugh and then just walk off and like what. <laughs> just had a gag by himself um but yeah the, the the stuff about the news because obviously at the time we left there was bushfires everywhere around the country so we were like it, you couldn't help but feel so selfish for being in a you know we're away doing a, a, a reality tv show and the rest of the country is essentially burning to the ground mm. so um that certainly wasn't lost on us but we again you you ask for information you know how's everyone doing what's going on back home is everyone safe you know what's an update and you didn't get anything right absolutely so no news so the kobe bryant thing we got told about that and that was just a, a shock um i told after sh- the show or throughout no nah, so, so they as one of the treats one night they got um sandra sully on who i had a huge crush on when i was about 16 which was a real treat Not um <laughs> they they got her on and she gave us a news like update essentially for the 25 days that we'd been out what had happened yeah, so wow. you know the bushfires was one thing um there was a hailstorm so like tash That's featured right. on it with the um you know my car had been banged up and all this sort of shit kobe bryant had died a, sh- a famous chef that miguel knew had passed away mm. um and then even to the point about like you come out of it and coronavirus wasn't a thing i remember tash saying on the flight on the way home she's like oh you might see a few people at the airport with masks on because there's this thing called coronavirus fast forward a month and i think 11 days in melbourne we were locked down do you you remember do you remember when we all caught up i think it was like end of feb or towards the end of feb after we went for dinner and then afterwards we went to the casino and he was dead. Yeah, it was weird. And yeah. none of us, like, I think maybe you or Billy or someone said, it's because of this virus. I'm like, what, that, that virus? Surely it's not that big a deal. It like, would have been fact- me, not Billy. Billy didn't yeah. know what the Me Too movement was, let alone coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> and that's... <laughs> That's actually a fact that like uh, he's not lying. That's why I just so I just forgotten about it. There's two things he can't steal. Yeah. Um yeah, so oh, yeah. yeah, I asked him about that, the wallet and another man's wife. A, a saying that has never existed. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. No, um, but yeah, 
but yeah, it, it was that for me, that was the first one when we went to the casino and it was dead and we could understand. Yeah. Like, I was like, what's happening here? And then it's like, yeah, this everyone's scared of this virus and no one's flying in. And, you know, um, it was, and I think March 15th or 16th was when we went in lockdown or somewhere around that. Yeah. The and the fact that that's, you know, as we sort of spoken about, the fact that that's now normal is, you know, that's another thing that spins me out a little bit. It's like, oh, how are you doing in this lockdown? Yeah, I'm fine with it. You know, I, I understand that we're just in another lockdown and I'm used to it. Like, yeah, imagine, yeah. imagine telling that version of yourself that for the next 230 days on and off, you won't be able to leave your house more than five kilometers. You'd be like, thanks. Well, as I tried to explain to a friend of mine, he's like, oh, how's work? I said, look, most of my work's been canceled. I was booked up till the end of the year. All of it's gone. And he's like, how are you feeling? I was like, that's okay. And I was like, the fact that I'm used to that yeah. is just so not, good <laughs> but again but like again it's it's so not good that that is normal but to have the perspective to go oh well it'll come back around and hopefully fingers yeah. crossed we get out so i think that's the beauty of you know people and in I, general is that you're always can find the best of you know what you've got in essentially and, and i think and i think again and you know to half on about it because we, we we've tried to avoid talking about covid but you know we're adults we can have a level of perspective but the one thing that kids can't do is have that yeah. level of perspective and hopefully there will be a chance that they can go back to school for the kids who can do because again you know you know yeah i sometimes have days where it's like you know you know grade one grade two grade three you're supposed to be there you know yeah. at school no matter how much you're not enjoying school. You've got to be at school. <laughs> and for us adults, if you want a good time, just start hanging out with the jockeys because they seem like they have an absolute ball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. Happy little parties and shit. I mean, I should have said little you parties. You can't say little parties, <laughs> small parties. But yeah, but that's the thing. When they apply for Airbnb, how many adults? Oh, there's four of us. I guess that's two. <laughs> <laughs> how are we hiring out a place to 12 kids? <laughs> <laughs> do you um so in navigating the the you know you, all of this um you know the lockdowns and any kind of struggles and stuff that you have around that do you have any must do things that you give yourself going i, I must at least get this uh is it meditating is it uh, hanging out with uh, a loved one making sure that you go for a, what what is there things that you need to know that if you don't take this off that feed your child (laughs) (laughs) feed child and feed self um no i've i've been pretty relaxed and you know as we if you go back through you know as i said the came out of the jungle all excited went into lockdown that first lockdown was shocking got put on a heap of weight did nothing stayed in bed for weeks on end like just was a mess complete Mm. mess not and couldn't find the i guess the the ability to look forward and go no no this will pass because it's 700 and something cases and you know, yeah a two-week lockdown that lasted 100 and something days it doesn't feel, yeah it doesn't feel like it is ever going to end mm. so you know just the i didn't put any expectations on myself in that one i'm still being pretty lax with what i do trying to exercise more now um, that's yeah. mainly because it's going to come to summer and i don't want to wear a rash vest to the beach but Hey, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that buddy. <laughs> nothing wrong with that okay but okay. just just literally like trying to find something good in every day that's the uh, the one thing that yeah yeah it's you, almost and, like a type of gra- gratitude list yeah well, thing to some extent like so yeah. yesterday it was a beautiful day so yeah got okay. to go out and although it was for an hour i got to walk around did you know two laps of the tan and home i went um yeah yeah because for me i'm finding number six this current one we're in benny sorry uh was that um i think this is my hardest one i i don't know i'm trying to figure out why i think it's the whiplash of five to six i feel like 
A, obviously not being able to exercise is probably what's causing a lot of the, the strain right now. But on top of it, I think I'm just fatigued, like burnt out by this. Oh, like there's no totally. drive to yeah. create anything that's interesting with it. I don't want to fucking talk about lockdown or, or com, um, COVID in stand-up. Like I'm done talking about the pandemic, but there's nothing else to fucking go through my head. I, you know, I don't want to pick up a new skill. Like I'm just over all those things that we promised ourselves last yeah. year, and I, which I ticked off a lot of good things last year. But this year I'm like, I can't fucking do it. Like it's just, I'm I'm finding lumber six somehow harder. Like I'm I'm managing it better, but it's the harder one. Yeah, well, and I think that that makes real perfect sense. You're managing it better because you're well versed in it to yeah. some extent, but it still sucks. And the fact that we got this, like I think for a lot of us, the fact we got the zero cases and then two days later we we're in lockdown. That's, like that's crazy. And, and the fact that the mindset now from the government, thank Christ, has changed to we're not yeah. going to hunt zero. Like that was the like. Christ, when you're sitting there and you're looking at that and that's when you start, I think, getting the resentment towards not just the government, but to other people as well. When you see people doing and breaking the rules, you're like, well, fuck yeah, I'm, do I'm doing the right thing. We're chasing zero. And then you're like, well, if you're living your life, why don't I live my life? And you go, no, yeah. that's not a way to live. And you end up with this big just shit show going on inside your head. I just and hope I, that uh, Daniel Andrews passes that message to Mark McGowan, where my girlfriend lives, to let him know that zero is not the ultimate. Because <laughs> I don't think McGowan gets it, so I'm fucked. I don't know. No, he's an outside chance to build a wall, Trump style. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think I'm the same. There. I'm struggling more uh, this time around because I can't currently use my sauna, which is my saving grace. I've talked about it a lot, Bob. Can't use my sauna because I'm currently recovering from surgery, which is really annoying. But the, the thing about it is, is this time, it, but also. It's, it's affecting my kids more than it has the other times. Yeah. And that's where I start getting shitty. That's yeah. where I'm like, Come on, it's not fair. It's like, okay, you can, you can throw this at me, but that ain't going to say in the manner. And then the problem is, you know, you sp I speak to friends who have never shown an ounce of interest in politics, <laughs> but you mention the lack of vaccination and they will blow up. Like, yeah. I, I have friends who didn't know who the prime minister was, but they know who he is now. And not that they like him is because they want vaccinations. Like they want, they just want, they want everyone to hit 80%. Like it's so weird. 80% is an A. That's an A, right? In school. But here it's like, it feels like it's a D plus because we're just, you know, we're, you know, we're actually going. I don't, mate, I don't want the vaccination. You're crazy. I don't want that 5G <laughs> shit running through my body. My I've body's perfect, mate. I, double, <laughs> double pasta is, you know, one thing to put in my body, but uh, no, for, uh, if, for the record, if, anyone listening, I've had the first shot already. So. If you want something to do until, I think I said September 23, Benny, you could fix that bedroom up so it's fitted for an adult. That's a, that's a sick, weird fetish you're living in. Excuse me, I believe uh, you would know this, but when you're in a long-term relationship, you spice things up and put a bunk bed in you. Oh my god! So much room for activities. <laughs> yeah, <it's true. laughs> Which bed are we going to do it today? Great reference. Great reference. Look how much space we have for activities. <laughs> it's oh, like, man. oh, puzzle, 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 puzzle. <laughs> and I'm on the puzzles. I've finished two in uh, one week so far. Mate, uh, there's just nothing put it out there. To... If you want a game for uh, this, this is the greatest game. Rat-a-tat-cat. Rat cat for your daughter. This will keep you entertained for hours. And also yeah. it teaches her how to gamble later on in life. <laughs> <laughs> and as a man who works in that in industry, <laughs> gamble responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on to front us out on a more positive yeah. note, one of the things that I always love chatting about is um, is um, treats and indulgences, uh, Daisy. Like, so obviously not necessarily alcohol and stuff, but when it comes to food, what's your, like, wow. what's your absolute, like, what was your, actually your no. meal after you left the jungle? What was so, the one you requested? Well, uh, 
see, I, I when I filled that form out again, I just newly retired, so I think I'd been on like a two day bender or something, and I got called into my manager's office. He said, "Film this like form out that was a hundred pages long." It was so massive, mate. And I was like, they're like asking, "What music do you like?" And I was like, "Most genres." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. not realizing that if you got to like day 25 they actually started playing your songs as a wake-up treat in the morning oh <laughs> so really everyone, everyone else has got their specific songs and i'm like fucking is that carly ray jepson call me maybe fuck i think i wrote that down <laughs> <laughs> all this sort of stuff so i took the piss out of it a fair bit so i, I thankfully i got um i ended up with a steak first meal out uh-huh. retreat and i asked for red wine but for some reason they gave me wine like um lollies which is weird uh-huh. I don't know. They they guess it up. The language barrier in South Africa. No, nah, it would have been the young producers felt. Going, what, 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 what is this? Yeah, <laughs> and and in their defence, I probably wrote lollies. So, <laughs> um, but like when I retired, KFC was like a thing that I'd had like a handful of times in fourteen years. I had no really idea, no idea how good KFC was. Um, I you know Macca's was the hungover meal if I had to treat myself, which obviously I still love Macca's, but and then dim sims. Like I, if oh. I went on this dim sim, like it was, a, it was an out of body experience. Like I was trying them and right of steamed. Well, that was the thing. I'd had half a dozen of each, and yeah, then wow. I put it out on Twitter, and I was like, "How long has this been going on for?" Like <laughs> dim sims are maybe the greatest gift that we've ever been granted. You know, they're authentically <laughs> Aussie. They're not like. It's the dim sim that Is we it? had. It's Australian made. Yeah. It was like obviously the, the, when they came with the Eureka Stockhead and stuff like that. But like but it, it comes if you go online, like there's a um, Instagram page called the Dim Sim King, and he posts about them. But also there's people who get right into it, like different sauce recipes. So you just think soy yeah. sauce. They're going soy sauce, tomato sauce, barbecue sauce mixed with Worcestershire sauce. Uh, like, but when you meet someone who eats tomato sauce with a dim sim, it's insane. Yeah, it is until no, but- you try it. And then you have a fried dim sim with chicken salt. Like, ugh, disgusting. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I've cut back on injecting dim sims, which is good. <laughs> um, just like, like putting in a neutral bullet and just drinking a dim sim. But even that, like, to the point of the last month, I've had cravings for chocolate milks and crunchies. Like, oh, yeah, wow. Are you pregnant? Well, that, that's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm starting to fill out a bit through the midriff. That is, that is exact, are, that's what pregnant women, that, yeah. that, that's the exact combo. Do you want to try the thing that I learned of Hamish and Andy, which is you get a Cocoa Pops, put a Big M chocolate milk, and then sprinkle oh, yeah. Milo on top. Yeah, oh, that's, mate. I've heard that. That's heaven. Oh, yeah. mate. I'm about a month off sugar at the moment. So I, it's actually, I'm okay. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, that's, um, and I've got to try this dim sim with fucking chicken salt. Though. That's, that's Fried dim sim with chicken salt. Yeah, but you gotta have you gotta have the stuff at home. Like that's the thing. Like yeah, unless you go to oh, I guess no takeaways are still open. Um uh, yeah, yeah, no, and you can request it on Uber Eats in your little what would you like oh, with really? this? Yeah. Please add oh. an absurd amount of chicken salt with this one dim sim. And that was like a lie because I never that- ordered one. <laughs> I like the idea that people, yeah, I like the idea that someone's like, you know what? I feel like having one dim sim yeah. <laughs> and getting it ordered. Right, oh, mate, that's so good. Um, yeah. I think we, we have to wrap it up, don't we, Dilly? Ah, I've got, got nothing else to do if you just want to tune in for a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, Ben, have you got kids? <laughs> what, what's uh, happening? I'm going to actually go pick up my kids. Yeah, no, I'm joking. <laughs> All good. Much, mate. Uh, I've run out Dale of beers t- anyway. Dale Thomas, mate, honestly, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks so much for sharing so openly about all that stuff as well. It's something that I'm really proud of this podcast, being able to venture into those areas because with the amount of messages we get from people, 
not that it's necessarily they're getting tips, but just knowing that they're not alone in that struggle is huge. And totally. the fact that someone in the public eye with such so much, you know, uh, accolades in, in, in his trophy cabinet can still also see, you know what? Yes, it was a struggle and it doesn't come easy. And putting your hand up to ask for help is something that I think always people undermine. And it's so important to hear someone who performed at that such a peak level was able to, you know, needed that as well. And it means that the rest of us mortals don't have to feel bad about asking for help as well. So thanks so much for sharing that. Mortals, my, uh... <laughs> Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. What a treat. Right. Take care, Days. All right. Stay safe, everybody. Love you all. Oh, see, sorry, Dave. I mean, you've got a bigger following than any of us for sure. But is there anything you want to plug yeah, yeah, uh, totally. in terms of uh, what's your Instagram or anything like that? Look, no, I'd just like to obviously thank the sponsors, Nissan um, and Nissan Navara, TaylorMade, Adidas Golf, um, Carlton United Breweries, Penfolds, Dan Murphy's. What about um, Yeezys? Under the Adidas banner. So. Oh, yeah, right. Do you know that those Yeezys, because um, when I was shopping for those shoes, I sent you a text saying, what do you reckon about these? You're like, mate, they're awesome, get them. And Dude, I have never had more compliments for an right. item of clothing than my Yeezys. Like, and that's across the board. We're talking like, you know, uh, I got to tour at the start of the year. Everywhere I go, they was like, fuck, are those Yeezys? I'm like, I didn't know that these shoes could have this impact. They're generally cool and they transcend from like 12 to 18. Like they yeah. think you're like a lord and then 18 yeah. to 38 with like still that sort of cool bracket is really cool. And then someone who's like in their mid forties, who's actually thinks they're cool, sees you wearing them like respect. <laughs> Mate, it's getting Jesus. so many compliments. I where this went to. <laughs> Mate, I'm, I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a second pair just so that I have like my on stage Yeezys and my off stage Yeezys. Like... Now you're just flaunting how much cash you're getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> no kids. That's what happens when you don't have kids. Disposable income. You got a girlfriend right. now, so be careful. <laughs> oh god. Oh god. Let's end it there. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark McGowan, lock this shit down. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Right. Take care, brother. Take care. Bye. See you. Bye. 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 Thank you guys. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.